Are you in Joshua? If you're in Joshua, uh, just let's just look. I want to I'll jump in and just show you the first couple of verses, what launched us into this series on stepping it up. Uh, it is this in verse 2. And it says, well, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. You get the picture. He's, the, he's Moses' assistant. And that word assistant, uh, doesn't, uh, it doesn't carry uh, a, a big, uh, you know, grandiose title. It's his helper. It's his servant. Uh, and, and he's just there to serve. Uh, in fact, what did Jesus say? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to what? Learn to be the servant of all. And so he was Moses' servant. He was his, his assistant. And God uh, said to him, the Lord spoke to him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Somebody say, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And everyone said another big Amen. God has more for us than we have right now. God has a plan. And as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, it's thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And God had a plan for the children of Israel and God had a plan for Joshua. And we've looked at all of that and we've looked at different angles and different ways and means uh, because uh, uh, in our own life, we're learning from Joshua and we're learning on Wednesday night from Paul, Paul and Timothy that there are areas of our life where we need to step it up, where we need to arise. Somebody say arise. In fact, we came up uh, with a good definition, and really this word, this word, arise, go over this Jordan, this is what this word means. It means to continue, to endure, to get up and make good, to stir up, to strengthen, to succeed. I love that. Let's read all this together. Can, can you read this step it up word with me out loud, everyone? Arise, a step it up word. Here we go. To continue, uh, real loud with me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Here we go. Step it upward. To continue, to endure, to get up and make good, to stir up, to strengthen, to succeed. Now, I began to realize something about this word this past week. In fact, uh, I shared a revised standard version uh, of a, I, I preached from this passage that last week in Dangerfield, but it was a different uh, angle for them. It, I called it, uh, I called it get, get over it. It's a little crass, but, uh, you know, because you got to get over some things. Everybody say you got to get over it. And I used this word and I realized that this, this word defines people at many different places in life. You see, to continue, that means it's just a word. We got to keep on keeping on. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't quit. Keep going. And then to endure, that kind of has a phrase that, hey, there's some th people going through some There's some people going through some things that they just need to, you know, just to, you know, stand strong and endure it and keep on pressing in. And then to get up and make good, there's some people that have been knocked down by life. And, and, and God's plan for them has been put on hold because they've been knocked down by life and, and arise to them means you need to get up and make good on this. Don't just sit here uh, until we die. Let's get up and get going. And then to stir up. There's some people that have lost the zeal of their Christian life and their, and, and, and the, the joy of the journey. And we need to stir it up. Somebody say, stir it up. Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. That means stir it up. Somebody say, stir it up. Everybody do this. Woo, stir it up. That's some people. 
And then some people, to strengthen it means I need to spend some time getting strong spiritually for this journey. And then there, to succeed, there's some people that feel like they're a failure. You don't need, you're not a failure. Failure's not final. Uh, God has a plan. It's good, not bad. He wants to give you a future and I hope He wants you to be successful. And so I realize that this definition of this one word arise describes many different people. And I'm sure in this room here today, you could probably fit yourself in one of these words. There may be some people here. You're doing good. You just need the word of the Lord to, hey, you got to keep at it here. Some others may be under the pressure of, oh, you need to endure this for a season. And after you've done the will of God, you can receive the prize. Some people have been knocked down. You just got to get up and get going and get back in the race. Some people, you just need to stir up the gift of God within you. Some people need to strengthen those hands that hang down and those weak knees. Some of you need to look your face in yourself in the mirror and say, you are a winner because Jesus Christ, the great, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the great conqueror lives on the inside of you. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Man, I can preach from a definition of a word. That's pretty good. Everyone say arise. That's a step it up word. And corporately as a church, it's, we're at a place where we need to step it up to another level in our church family. And, you know, how many of you know you can't sit in one place and expect to get where God wants you to be? And I've been lovingly, caringly, endeavoring for our church family to, you know, you know, sometimes the spirit of slap comes on all the preachers. I don't know that, you know, I don't, as a parent, has the spirit of slap ever come on you? You just want, and I want to slap somebody and you have to resist that spirit of slap. Uh, you know, as a pastor, believe it or not, sometimes I just want to wake up. We got to step it up. I haven't slapped anybody in a long time. So uh, I'm a little more loving in my older years. So, uh, but let me just say, there comes a time when we've got to step it up and we've got to come to a place in our life where we realize, you know what? This is where we are. We've got to step it up to another level of leadership. And somebody said, amen. To step it up. This is your definition by and large. We talked about it and I kind of put it together to advance, to increase the intensity of something, to rise to the challenge, to lift to another level. And that's where we are today as a church family. Church on the Rock North is at a place where we need to step it up to another level of leadership in our life and influence in the world. And so that's where we've been. That's where we're going. Look at three or four people. You may have to uh, uh, just look around a little bit say, well, we better step it up here now. We better step it up. Step it up, step it up. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we've been a lot of places. And as I said a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about stepping it up to another level uh, concerning God's purpose and plan for our life. This morning, I'm going to conclude. And let me just say, you know what most preachers' problems are? It's not in what to say. You know what most preachers' problem is? It's not what do I say, it's what do I not say. Man, I got a lot to say. In fact, last Sunday, I got up, I, said, I told them Sunday evening when I was preaching in, in Dangerfield, I told them that, and I said, my problem is I got so much to say. And I said, y'all just lift your hands towards me and pray the spirit of whittle will come on me and I'll whittle this down. 
a little bit. Uh, and so they thought that was funny. And then I had a pastor who was there. He texted me Wednesday. He said, could you lay hands on me at some point? Pray for me. I need the spirit of whittle to come on me a little bit. Uh, and I said, well, just turn it into a series. He said, okay. So uh, it's not what to say. It's what not to say, because I got a lot to say and we could stay here for a good while. But here's where I'm going to conclude this series. It is this. We need to step it up to a new level of wisdom and understanding in our life. We need God's wisdom more than ever before. Somebody say wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. You know what? There are a lot of wise people in the world, but I want to tell you where, where great wisdom comes from. It comes from above. We need the wisdom of God in our life. And I love if you would do something, do me a favor, uh, look in that last chapter of Deuteronomy and go to verse nine. It's just right before Joshua there. And look what it says about Joshua. It says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did it as the Lord had commanded Moses. I love that. And you know what? If we have time to this morning at the close of this service, if the spirit of whittle comes on me and we get done at a decent hour, uh, we'll, we'll gather together in the altar because I believe all of us need the spirit of wisdom in our life. And we're going to ask God to give us the spirit of wisdom in these last days like never before. We need his wisdom. And, and it says Moses had laid his hands on him. And today, you know, not that I'm the wisest guy in town. In fact, sometimes I think I'm a few... Uh, uh, you know, few nuggets short of a happy meal. What is it? Few fries short of a happy meal. Uh, I'm, you know, I just feel so needful in my life. But you know what? Uh, we're going to just pray together. In fact, what did James say in James chapter one, verse I think three, two, three, and five? He said, "If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally." But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for he who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That's what James chapter 1 says. And so, so today we're going to pray at the conclusion of this service that God would give us wisdom. How many of you could use some wisdom today? In fact, I just believe we all need it, his wisdom in our life. And so, uh, so that's, the, that's where we're headed this morning. Uh, and I see three things about this wisdom that God uh, was giving to Joshua and the children of Israel. And I've kind of melted it down. And I, I, I got good news today. I actually whittled. I, I did. I whittled this back. And so I see three areas where we need wisdom, where God was giving them wisdom, the children of Israel and Joshua. I'm going to share them with you. In fact, let me go through them all and then we'll go back. So I don't worry about getting here. I'm just going to get ahead of myself. We're going to look at wisdom for crossing. We're going to look at wisdom for continuing. And we're going to look at wisdom for conquering. Everyone say crossing, continuing, and conquering. So let's look at it this morning. Everybody, everybody just put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, give us wisdom today. Lord, give us wisdom in Jesus name. Everybody said one more. Amen. Wisdom for crossing. You see, God came to Joshua. And if you remember, these children of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They had come up to this place before, but because of fear and doubt, they were banished, if you will, for 40 years in the wilderness. And now they're back there again, and they don't want to make the same mistakes over and over again. How many of you don't want to make the same old mistake over and over again and somehow think that you, hey, you know, 
Oh, man, see, I, I, that, that old man's coming out. When I say things, then all these other thoughts start shooting in my head, and I need a little a better filter not to just go off, and I won't. But all of us have come to places in our life where we've made mistakes, and, and then we have to say, you know what? I'm not doing that again. And so that's where the children of Israel were. And God gave them wisdom on how to get over. See, they'd been there before, and because of their doubt and unbelief, uh, they, they, they could not get across. There's always a reason why we don't get across. In fact, at the close of this service, too, we're going to talk about some things we got to get over if you want to get over. If you want to cross over, there's some things we got to get over. So we need wisdom for crossing. And so Joshua, and I'm just going to kind of hit the highlight here. God is giving Joshua and the children of Israel wisdom on how to get over this Jordan River and into the promised land. And that's what really Joshua 3 is all about. And he gives them detailed insight that he got from God. Let me tell you something. When God gives you wisdom, he's not going to lead you astray. He's going to give you a way and a means. And you know, one of of the parts is, you know, you follow the, the Ark of the Covenant and the priests and all of it was just right. And the priests had to step off into the water and, 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 and that was the, uh, you know, equates to us like the step of faith and they had to do it just right. Uh, and so God gave them wisdom to do that. And when the priest and the Ark stepped into the water, you know, the story, the waters parted and the children walked across on dry land and God gave them wisdom on how to get across. In fact, in Joshua three, he says this to them in verse four. He says, yet therefore shall be a space between you and it. Speaking of the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Everyone say, we've not passed this way before. You see, what have they been doing for 40 years? They've been just been walking around in circles out in the wilderness. And for 40 years, they'd walk by, boy, that looks familiar. Seemed like we were here last week. 40 years. I remember that. And they, and, and when they'd move, I guess they probably had a little special place. Oh yeah, let's can, you know, over and over around in the wilderness. See, it should have took them about three weeks to get from Egypt into the promised land. It took them 40 years. And they were doing the same old, same old. Listen, let me tell you something. You can't do the same old, same old and get where God wants you to be. He wants to give you fresh wisdom. Everybody say, fresh wisdom. Everyone say, new insight. Because there's some places you've not been before. You see, as far as the church family, there's some places we've not been before. We need His wisdom for crossing. We need the details of what He wants us to accomplish. And as leaders, we need to ask God, Lord, speak to us, show us ways and means. I see Michael and Lyric here. They get to be here today because they're not with children, because the children are all in here. That They need wisdom for our children's ministry. And we need wisdom in every area of our church family. We need wisdom at Camp His Way. How are we going to take care of not 2,000, but 3,000? And we need God's plan and God's wisdom to expand and increase. If we ever get to the place where we just want to do the same old, same old uh, and tell the same old stories and do the same old thing and go around this mountain again, you know what? We're going to miss God's best for us. And I came to tell you today that God wants to give us wisdom to get over some things. Amen. Everybody say get over it. We need that kind of wisdom. Number two, we need wisdom for continuing. Now, this is a little more detailed. Because we see God, how many of you know God had a plan all along? 
And he knew that his plan was, was wrapped up in the children of Israel. And ultimately, how many of you know what the plan of God, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, come to planet Earth and redeem us and save us from our sin? That was God's plan all along. And so it was important for God's plan to be realized. Uh, and, and so he needed to give Joshua and the people wisdom on how to keep on keeping on. You see, let me just tell you something. We're all just one generation away from extinction. You think about that. We're one generation away from extinction. And so we need to realize something that God needs to give us wisdom today as, as leaders and people of influence in the earth on how do we pass along to the next generation the wisdom and the ways of God to the point that, that, that the purpose and plan of God does not get watered down, muddled up, and forgotten, and God's purpose and plan go unfulfilled. Now, listen carefully to me. We're living in a generation where this generation that we have right now, if they're not careful, they snub the nose at, at the past and they miss the wisdom of God from, from their elders and they, and they think, well, I got it figured out. That's old. I need new. Uh, and so I get that. I understand that. But listen, as leaders, and we're all leaders. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a leader in, in God's kingdom. We're people of influence in God's kingdom. And we need wisdom and revelation. And that's what God used Joshua for. To, to, to lead the next generation on into God's purpose and plan for their life. You see, it's not God's plan for you just to teach your kids and your kids' kids how to survive in life. It's our, it's, it's the church. It's our, as parents and as, as grandparents and leaders, it's our responsibility to ensure that the next generation arrive at the destiny of God for their life. Wisdom on how to keep on keeping on. And I love it. Let me show you a passage right here. Let me show you this. Uh, gosh, there's so much here. But let me show you what it says in Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. This is after they had crossed over. I'll come back to the greater context of this in a minute. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had swore to their fathers that he... Uh, would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Look in verse 7. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place. You see, there's always influences in the world that are, that are trying to undermine God's purpose and plan. And God used Joshua to bring the children of Israel on into the promise of God for their life. He raised them up. Listen. <clears throat> We've talked about this, but we need to awaken to the reality that there are people around us that God wants us to impact their life. It's called mentoring. It's called helping. It's called supporting. It's called leading. It's called influencing. And so we need to recognize that and realize that and embrace that in our life. Wisdom for keeping on, keeping on. Now, how, and, and here's one of the first things. This is one of the first things we see. When you get to Joshua 5, his, this is the one thing that the next generation had to catch. Now, think about this. Think, put yourself in the shoes of these children of Israel. All these guys were 40 years old or, or, or younger. They were young bucks. You get it? Oh, yeah. 
And they cross over on dry land and they knew that Jer- Jericho was shut up because they had brought great intimidation on the, pe- and the giants and, and the people of Jericho. It was shut up all around. They were feeling their oats. Man, they were, whoo, we're mighty men of God. In fact, the scripture talks about them as men of war. These men of war, they get across. Man, they're feeling good. Man, whoo, God's in charge. Man, they're feeling good about it. And, and the first thing Joshua says, they see Jericho there. They're ready to go. Let's go, man. Let's take this city. Let's do it. And the, and the Lord says uh, through, through uh, Joshua, okay, let's take some flint knives and circumcise. Can you imagine these 40-year-old boys say, what? Flint knives and circumcise. Without going too deep and wide into the, all the meanings of circumcision, it was a sign of the covenant. Now, follow me. If you go to Genesis 17, you can write this down. You can go there later. This is where God with Abraham, he promised him this great people, these children of Israel. He promised them. He said, but listen, uh, here's what you do with all these young boys that are after they're eight days old, you circumcise them. And it basically is a sign, a physiological sign of the covenant that God not only made with man, but the covenant that man makes with God. A yielding ourselves and, and here they're wanting to go in and take the land. And now, in fact, it just, I, you know, I'm a visual learner. Uh, and, and, and they, they circumcised all these guys, who knows how many of them. And, and they called the place where they were, were the hill of the foreskins. That's a lot of circumcision going on. And all of a sudden, these young bucks, they are helpless. And it says they stayed there till they healed up. But what was God doing with them? Listen, if you're going to continue with me, you've got to be a covenant keeper. And so God was teaching the children of Israel there, hey, if we're going to get where God wants us, we've got to be keepers of the covenant. You know what the, your, your, I'll use crass like, you know what your old man didn't do? He didn't keep the covenant. That's why they all died in the wilderness. Now you got a new generation. It's time we keep the covenant. We keep the promises that we made to God and we, we realize God's a covenant keeper and we're going to keep our covenant with God and He's a God of covenant and then we're going to keep on keeping on doing the will of God. We got to be people who keep the covenant that God made with us and we make with Him. Amen. In fact, it's our generational responsibility to keep the covenant and be covenant keepers and to pass this on to the next generation. We have a generational responsibility to, to, from one generation to the other to ensure that our children and our children's children are keepers of the covenant. In fact, I've heard parents say this uh, uh, in times past when their kids get a little older. Well, you know, they're, they're 16, 17, 18. They got to make their own choices and decisions alive. You know, you got to kind of let them go. Let them just kind of stretch their wings a little bit. And I want to just write, that's when the spirit of slap wants to come out on me and say, no, you do not say that to them. Yes, they're people of choice, but we have a responsibility of leading them to another level of, of, uh, in their relationship. And it's, and it's a, uh, it's a commitment that we all make. It's our responsibility to the next generation. Are you with me? I kind of know what the next slide is, but I think I'm there, brother. Help me out. It's a generational responsibility we all have to not just survive, but to lead the next generation. 
and be a generation. If you're, hey, if you're a part of the Joshua generation, you have a responsibility to keep the covenant and a responsibility to say, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep moving forward. And then what we do, we, 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 we as leaders and people of influence, it's our generational responsibility. And here's what I see. We have a generational responsibility to teach them a generational reliance upon God. We've got to teach our, the next generation the responsibility that they have to totally rely upon God. And we see this here in Joshua. And he, he led them down this road to a complete reliance upon his promises. Everyone say his promises. In fact, if we had time, we'd go back to Joshua 1. Where does God say to Joshua? He said, man, I promise the promises that I gave to Moses, they're your promises. You can trust the promises of God. You rely upon the promises of God. In fact, on and on throughout this this path, they bring back up the promises of God. God will never break his promise. We have conditions to the promise, but we need to teach our children that you can trust the promises of God. And if he said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Hallelujah. God's not going to break his promises. We need to teach them complete reliance upon not only his promises, but his presence. In fact, where did the children of Israel do for 40 years? They followed the Ark of the Covenant around and around in circles. That was where the manifest presence of God was in the old, uh, in, in the Old Testament days, in the, in the, when they had set up the, the tabernacle and into the holy place, the Ark of the Covenant would go. It was the place where God met with the high priest, uh, and, and without going too deep and wide, it represented the presence of God. And when we see them going across the river, uh, and into the promised land, he said, listen, Listen, you got to f- keep your eyes on the presence of God. In fact, one of the promises to Joshua was about his presence. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We've got to teach our sons and our daughters complete reliance upon his promises, upon his presence in our life. And we need his presence more than ever before. And then we've got to teach them and we've got to be models and role models and leaders who teach them complete reliance upon his power. Everyone say his power. Everybody say God is able. Look at your neighbor and say God is able. I love Joshua 6 because it was a miraculous deliverance. How many of you know they marched around, marched around seven days and they were quiet. You know, that's a miracle in of itself to keep Keep a million plus people quiet for six days because there's women and children. I'm joking. It's a miracle. But these mighty men of war who were prepared for battle, they saw the miraculous power of God. He taught them reliance not only upon his promises in his presence but his power then also taught them complete reliance upon his plan in fact if you if you i want you to do this uh this go back and read joshua 1 through 6 god had a detailed plan he has a plan listen you can't live life the way you want to live and expect god to bless it we got to teach our our children our children's children uh that hey god has a plan he has a purpose for your life you're not an accident you're not just somebody here to take up space. You're not here just to, you know, uh, get all you can and can the rest. God has a plan for our life. You know, uh, I'm, I just turned 60. I know I tell you all that all the time. It's kind of, I'm a little, uh, uh, I got issues going on with my getting older. But I, I, I go to, I, I was at a funeral this past weekend with one of the former members. Uh, in fact, yesterday afternoon. And, and uh, there I was with a lot of my older friends and, 
and uh, we're saying goodbye to one of our friend's dad and who is a member of our church. And then we're looking around and I said, I said, guys, I, I, I hate to be morbid here at a funeral, but we're not getting any younger. God has a plan. And we can't sit here and twiddle our thumbs and let the next 10 years rock along and miss God's purpose and plan for our life. And a big part of our plan that God has for us is to make sure this next generation has a plan and that God has a plan. And so this thing, this, this wisdom for continuing has everything to do with our generational responsibility to the next generation to raise them up to a place where they can fulfill God's purpose for their life and then teach them a generational reliance uh, uh, upon God's power and his promises and his presence and his plan. And then number three, we need to teach them generational remembrance. Now, now, this was Joshua 4. That, you know what? One of the biggest deals with people is forgetfulness. They forget. In fact, Joshua 4 is all about after they crossed over, the first thing they did before they got flint knives and circumcised is he said, take, take leaders from the 12 tribes and y'all build a memorial stone for your tribe so that, uh, that in generations to come, when, when your children and your children's children ask, what's these statues, these stones, these, these big towers all about? And so we tell them that right here, God did a supernatural work and he parted the, the, the Jordan River and we crossed over on dry land and God gave us the promised land. It was to keep our children to, at a place of remembrance remembrance of the power and the presence and the purpose and the plan of God and that he is faithful. Somebody say he's faithful. And we have that responsibility. In fact, Wednesday night in our message with, uh, in Titus, Paul told Titus, he said this, instruct the brethren in these things. This was last Wednesday. Everyone say instruct the brethren in these things. And that word instruct is not just teach them like we're, you know, get out the chalkboard and, uh, you know, and, the, and the, you know, and teach a lesson. That word instruct means to bring them into remembrance. Everyone say bring into remembrance. Let me tell you one of the biggest demonic attacks, that, one, of the, one of the easiest, quickest traps the enemy can get us all in is just forget how good God is and forget his purpose and plan. And so we got to bring into remembrance and keep this next generation at a place of remembrance of the good things of God and his power, his promises, his presence, and his plan. And then number three, God not only wants to give us wisdom for crossing and wisdom for continuing, but wisdom for conquering. That's Joshua 5 and 6. When they began to march around Jericho, he gave them great wisdom. Let me tell you something. God gives you wisdom on how to defeat your enemies. I'm not a numerologist. Everyone say numerology. Now, but in Scripture, there's a lot about numerology. In fact, I've resisted that a little bit. It's kind of interesting today because how many, how many days did they march around Jericho? Come on now. How many days did they march around Jericho? Seven days. That's a huge number in God's overall everything. In fact, interesting, I had this in my notes, and Beverly was listening to uh, the Covenant Church 
uh, where Nathan is at, uh, and, and Amy Dockery, uh, the pastor's daughter, was teaching, and it was, about, it was about where we are from the Jewish calendar, and oh, oh, and she's just going 100 miles an hour. But she got on to number seven, and she started just lathering it up, man. She went from Genesis all the way to Revelation as fast as she could about the significance of the number seven, and it, it was just, it's everywhere. Google it. You'll be amazed. Significance of the number seven in the Bible. Google it. You'll just be blown away. It's everywhere. It's everybody. Everybody says it's just everywhere. It's in the beginning. It's in the ending. How how many days did God take to create? Oh, I'll stop there. You know, you get the picture. You get over into Revelation. It's there like fifty something times. And here we find where they're marching around. Where God says, "You march around uh, this Jericho, your enemy, seven times." Now, I'm just going to give you the big picture. How many of you appreciate the big picture? I'm not. You know, the difference between a, 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 you know, I'm not a big Bible scholar teacher. The teachers they get into the details. Amory Dockery is a teacher, man. She got all the details. I just, I'm just a big picture guy. Here's the big picture. Here's what this number seven basically means. It's the number of completeness or perfection. And let me just say to you about the victory that God has for you. God doesn't win battles halfway. He's a God who when he starts something, he finishes it. And he was telling the children of Israel and telling us today, listen, I'm going to give you wisdom on how to be victorious. And if you follow my wisdom, your wisdom, uh, your warfare will be, you will be absolutely victorious. You will be absolutely successful. You will be, if you follow this wisdom of warfare, this battle I will win in your behalf and it will be final. And also the number seven not only means, you know, hey, completeness and, 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 and success, but it means, hey, fresh new starts. And let me just tell you about us today. All of us have some battles we need to win. Our church has some things we need to conquer. Some things we need to conquer in a hurry. And we need to sit and take a little time and hear what God has to say. And then do what He says. And when we do what he says, we'll be victorious. Somebody say amen. You see, we're at a place today where we need his wisdom in our life as a, as a nation, as a church, as a people. We need the wisdom of God in our life. And let me close with this. As I said, we're going to pray. You got to get the picture, get the bigger picture. What did the first two verses of Joshua say? Moses is dead. Now, you got to understand, if you took some time and studied the significance and the phenomenal leadership of Moses, they looked to him for everything. Everything. And now he's dead. In fact, there was 30 days of mourning for him. And then God comes to Joshua and say, now, Joshua. And let me just say, how many of you think after 30 days of mourning, Joshua pretty much knew Moses was dead? Do you know what God says to him? First words out of his mouth. Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now therefore you arise and get over this Jordan. Cross over this Jordan with you and all this other people. You know what Moses had to do? Pardon me, Joshua had to do? He had to get over something. So he could get over something. And all of us, we find things in our life that seem to keep us stuck. God doesn't want you to stay where you are. He doesn't want our church to stay where we are. And all of us have to come to a place where we, I'm going to rise. I'm going to get up and make good on what God has called me to do. Let's stand together this morning. Just a moment, we're going to rally and pray for wisdom. But if you're here today, and you can say, Pastor, you know, it's true. I got to be honest with you. I feel like there's some things that are keeping me from being what God wants me to be and do what God wants me to do. And I feel like these things that I've never gotten over are hindering me from being what God wants me to be and stepping it up to another level. Let's bow our heads before God. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, that's right, you got me. There's some things in my life, hurts, pains, disappointments, disillusion, trouble, trauma, whatever it is that I can't seem to get past. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, I just want you to pray for me that I could get over these things so I can get over some things. You'll never get over the obstacles of life out there until you get over the obstacles of life inside your heart. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you can say, Pastor, that's true. There's some things in my life that nobody may know about but me and God that I just know they're hindrances that I need to get over. If that's you, wherever you are, lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Hands going up all over this room. Somebody else, lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. I want everyone now to lift your hands. If you feel comfortable, if you you don't, that's fine. Father, today we all lift our hands to you today. And we ask you, Lord, for those that lifted up their hand that have things in their life that hinder them and keep them from moving forward. Whatever it is, Lord, you know their heart. Lord, we pray for them right now. In fact, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I don't want to miss God either. If you lifted your hand a moment ago, would you join me here in this altar? Come on, there were lots of hands. So there was, uh, there was 8, 10, 12 hands. Come on, if you lifted your hand just a moment, come join me right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, quickly, we're just going to pray together. Thank you, thank you. If you lifted your hand, there's some things I got to get over so I can get over. Come on, come on, this is God. This is God. Remember, I said something earlier. I said, for some of you, this is going to be a great message. But some of you, this is going to be a life changer. Step in here close to me. Step in here close. Come on. Father, today, I want everyone to lift your hands towards these today. 
Thank you, Jesus. Josh, I want you to come behind them and just lay your hands on them and just speak a blessing over them. Father, today I want everyone to lift your hands towards these. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us step out and get up and get going. Lord, I thank you that Jen is going to begin to arise. Lord, we thank you. Come on, everybody, lift your hands towards these. We thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord and the way of God being made manifest. We thank you for the healing of God. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. I just hear the Holy Spirit say, this is your day. This is your time to choose this way or that way. God says to you, dear, that if you choose the way of the Lord and the wisdom of God for your life, you'll see the breakthrough of God begin to be mad manifest in your life. The hopelessness of your moment. I just, I'm bra- in fact, the enemy has, listen everybody, the enemy has bombarded this woman with hopelessness. I don't know if you, you sense that, but God's breaking that off of her right now in the name of Jesus, giving her a future and a hope. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the breakthrough and the breakthrough, Lord God, that in people's lives that are empowering them and equipping them and enabling them, Lord, to get up and get going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just sense the Lord say, hey, we're all inferior, but hey, God takes in, he takes the weak things of the world to confound the wise. I've heard this in my heart over you. They say, I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I can do that. That's what Moses said. Moses said, I don't think I can do this. I can't speak very good. I'm not any good at this. God says, hey, that's who I'm looking for, says the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the breakthrough. Lord God, that they're getting over some things. And Lord, I thank you for Bree, Lord God, that today, this week, this month is, Lord, her day of destiny. Lord God, that you're lifting her to a whole new level. And Lord, you're helping her step out, get up, get, get on with it. Lord, we thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus, for this your family, we declare, Lord God, that nothing will hold them back. Nothing will hold them back, Lord. Y'all praying with me today. This is destiny for people. Lord, nothing will hold them back. Lord, you're going to give them fresh wisdom in their life. Lord, to get up and get moving and not to feel, Lord God, like it's over for them. But Lord, I just pray, Lord, you'd begin to birth in them a fresh new vision and a dream in their family. Lord, hallelujah. I just hear the Lord say, don't get so consumed with the things of this world that seem so stressful in your life. Just let God have his way in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for Ike, Lord. Help him, Lord, and strengthen him. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, I'm glad you're in this altar this morning. This is your day. We're gonna, I want you to stay right here because others are fixing to join you. Now, we're going to pray for wisdom. How many of you need wisdom in your life right now? There's some things. Come on to this altar. Come on to this altar. I need wisdom. Let's rally up. As a church family, let's rally up. Don't spread way out. Let's draw in close. We're going to pray for wisdom, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. I want everyone. It says, let us ask of God who gives to all men liberally, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. Right now, let's just cast the doubt out. Let's let's all begin to declare that we trust God, that we trust him, that I want you right now just to lift your heart and say, Lord, I trust you for my future. Lord, I trust you for my family. I trust you, Lord God, for this church. We trust you, Lord Jesus, for our future and our destiny today. And we thank you, Lord God, 
that you are in charge. We yield our lives and our futures into your care and you are in charge. We trust your promise that if we ask you in faith for wisdom, you're going to give it to us liberally. And Lord, we're not going to ask in doubt. We're not going to ask, Lord, with, a, with a, any kind of sense of uh, intrepidation. We boldly come before you and we lift up our hearts and our hands to you and we ask you, Lord, to give us wisdom. Lord, wisdom for the journey. Wisdom to cross over and get over some things. Wisdom to keep on keeping on. Wisdom to conquer the enemies that, that have come up against us. Lord, we thank you for wisdom. And as a church family, we lift our hearts and our hands to you. And Lord, give us wisdom. And I, as the pastor of this church and the leaders of this church, we pray for wisdom from God. And we know you're going to give us wisdom for our future. Wisdom to cross over. Wisdom to keep on keeping on. Wisdom to conquer, Lord. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for a fresh hope in our hearts. Lord God, that we are not going down or going out, but Lord, we're going up. We're going forward today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for wisdom. Everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Amen.